Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for the 7th of February, 2023. Flyers Daily, as always, presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. It felt like an eternity between Flyer games. From the game January 27th to last night, it wasn't that long. It was only like nine days, but it felt like a really long time. It was good to get a break, but it was really good to get Flyers hockey back on the ice last night and to get Flyers hockey back in the win column. What a huge win that is. You end the five-game skid. You don't let the skid bleed into the post-All-Star break mentality. You go out on the road against a really good team, and you take care of business. Was it a pretty game? I don't think so. There were some pretty plays in it. It wasn't, you know, boring. It was a tight game, a game that had good goaltending, a game that had some timely scoring, a game that you did what you had to do to walk away with two points on the road against the second-ranked team in points percentage in the Eastern Conference. Every bit of a legit cup team, Florida. They're, they're a team that was at the cup final last year, has come back this year, gotten some great performances from their players, and the Flyers went into Florida. Florida was on the same exact break the Flyers were. They played their last game on the 27th of January. They were returning as well. Florida carried the play in the first period. They looked like the sharper team than the Flyers in the first. Flyers gave up 10 Florida shots in the first period. I think the Flyers only had six. Flyers ended up out shooting them in the game 25-21. So 10 first period shots for Florida, 11 the rest of the way. That's impressive. That's good shot suppression. You know, we talked in yesterday's episode about the four key components the Flyers need to accomplish to be able to, you know, see this thing through, see this thing all the way to a playoff berth, sitting in playoff position going into the final 32. I said, number one, they needed to defend better and defend less. They did that in the game. The top players needed to be their best players, and others will need to raise the level of their game. How about Travis Connecting? Their top player gets them on the board to make it 1-1, and then other players need to raise the level of their game. We've talked about Noah Cates as an unknown and a guy that has a chance to rewrite the storyline of his season. He picks off a pass in the Florida zone, kind of dangles through a couple of guys and knocks one home for the game winner. (laughs) I'm looking like a genius with my first two. Stay tight and stay together as a team under the pressure of a tight playoff race. We'll see how that plays out long-term and control the controllable. They did all those things in the game. Last night was a microcosm of the final 32 games. And they went out and they got a win. Florida opened the scoring in the first period. Again, Florida, I thought, controlled the play a little bit in the first. Carter Verhage opens the scoring at 922. Florida goes on the power play, eighth-ranked power play in the NHL. And this puck actually deflects off the stick of Travis Connecting. He comes out and gets a stick on it. And you can here's how I can tell that the shot was ticketed for the lower half of the net. You know, Sam Harrison comes out to challenge the shot when he sees Verhage is going to take it. Comes out to takes a little bit of ice to make himself bigger. It's like if you're watching this on YouTube, if I'm back here, I look smaller. If I'm up here, I look bigger. Same thing for a shooter. You're taking, you get closer, you make yourself bigger. Shooter sees less net. So he takes a little bit of ice and he goes out and, you know, forwards and especially on a PK, they're taught, try and get your body in front of it, try and block it, try and get a stick on it. 
knock it down, sometimes getting a stick on it, not a good thing. So Sam Harrison defaults down low, covers the bottom third in the butterfly. Goalies will do that all the time. They're, these guys are so big right now, they can defend the higher part of the net, even if they're in a butterfly. They're like 6'3 monsters and 6'5, and I think Stolarz is 6'7, who was in the other net. Um, but the reason why I say the shot was ticketed low is because the blocker of Sam Harrison is not up. It's down just above his pad. That tells me he's reading the shot off the stick low, bottom half of the net. He's trying to pull his elbows in, blocker and paddle right on top of his pad, trying to cover all of those holes. When the puck hits off the stick at Konechny, then it goes up, and then you see him wave at it. Never going to catch it, by the way. Verhage gets the goal. It's one nothing Carolina. Uh, second period. Flyers come out and look like they had much more energy, were much more dialed in uh, than Florida was, and then they were in the first period. 13-33 in. Flyers do something we've seen them do a lot this year. I don't think we saw them do it a lot last year, but we've seen them do it a lot this year, and it's play fast and transition. Walker corrals the puck in the D zone, about the top of the circle on the left side of the ice, and he gets his – it happens real quick – gets his head up right away, and I, I couldn't hear this on my feed, but I think Joel Farabee let him know he was open in the middle of the ice at the far blue line. So you're looking at basically a three-zone pass from the top of the circle all the way to the far blue line where a stationary Joel Farabee is. And he sends a seed right up the middle, right to Farabee. And Farabee does something really smart. He doesn't get the puck on his stick and then decide to start moving and try and obtain the zone. He sees that Konechny is coming up on the, uh, uh, the right side of the ice with momentum. So if, if Farabee tries to then get his stride going and get into the zone, it's going to slow the play down. It's going to give Florida a chance to sink into some coverage, get some back pressure on Konechny. So what does Farabee do? Gets the puck, sees him coming, just flips it. Flips it. Stays stationary and flips the puck to, to a spot. Konechny skates right into it, and he goes in with a really nice finish on Anthony Stolarz. Now, the thing that Konechny does on the goal, as a right-hand shot, he's coming down and he's moving from his right to his left. He's kind of fading across the, the, the front of the net as he's coming in. And because his torso is moving that way, his puck's kind of close to, kind of close to his feet at that point as he's moving across. That forces Stolarz to move from his left to his right, so from his glove hand toward his blocker side. And then as he does that, he's vacating the glove side of the net for Konechny, who just then pushes the puck out further from his body with a little flip, boom, into the net. Fantastic finish. The things that these players in the NHL can do to deceive goaltenders to open up spots for them to go is tremendous. And that's that just that little bit of fade as he's entering, coming in. Don't come straight in on him as he's fading across. That forces Stolarz to move across with him. That opens up the spot, and Konechny finishes it. That puts the Flyers on the board. It's 1-1. Farabee and Walker pick up the assist. Matter of fact, they're the only two assists of the game, not just for the Flyers. The Verhage goal, unassisted. The Cates one, which we'll get to in a second, unassisted. So two assists means 60 pounds of food will be donated by the Flyers and Penn Medicine as part of the Penn Medicine Assist to local communities in need. We like that. All right, 
head to the third period. 1-1 game. Flyers have been in a lot of tight games this year. Head to the third period and just 2.36 in. That's when Noah Cates picks off an Aaron pass from Florida inside their zone, attacks the middle of the ice, and is able to eventually uh, put it past Anthony Stolarz, gives the Flyers the 2-1 lead. They would preserve it. It felt like the last two minutes and 50 seconds with Stolarz pulled and the extra attacker on the ice for Florida went on forever. Flyers couldn't get a clear. Florida's doing a great job keeping pucks in. Erickson had to make a couple of saves, but some blocked shots, some shots that were wider over the net from Florida. And the Flyers, just like that, you, you skate out of there with a win. You come out of this game with two points in the standings. And what was just, a, I think, a really important game from the sheer sense that you didn't want the taste of the five-game skid to bleed into the reset. The break was the reset. The break was the chance for players to get away, recover physically, mentally, emotionally. You didn't want it to become six and then attach the two sides together, if you know what I mean, where you kind of bleed it through. You wanted, okay, the five-game skid happened before the break. We start anew, boom, and we start off with a win. That, to me, is why that game last night is very important to end it there. It wasn't an easy one because you're facing a really good team in Florida. So it wasn't like you go, okay, we're going to come out of the break. We're going to end this five-game skid. We're playing some patsy on the road. We've been good on the road, whatever. You know, you weren't going into Columbus or you weren't going into, you know, some place where it's easy to get a win. That wasn't the case. You're going into a really good Florida Panther team who's on the same exact, same exact situation you're in from a schedule standpoint with the break. Flyers have uh, the eighth best record in the NHL, actually the ninth, uh, seventh best record in the NHL right now, on the road this season, a 660 winning percentage. They've been tremendous on the road. They've beaten some really good teams on the road. They've beaten Winnipeg the top road team, one of the top teams in the NHL. They've now beaten Florida on the road. They beat the Kings on the road. They beat Vancouver on the road. It's amazing what they've done on the road this season. They've beaten Carolina on the road. They beat Colorado on the road. They've got some good, good road wins under their belt. Pittsburgh beat on the road. Vegas, well, they lost that game 3-2. to But... They've beaten some really good teams. I went to see what I did. I went too far. I do that all the time. I should have quit while I was ahead. But anyway, it's a 2-1 win for the Flyers. They grabbed the two points in the standings. And with the two points in the standings, uh, they, they helped their playoff positioning a lot. 51 games played. They have a record of 26-19-6 on the season. 58 points. They're sitting three points back of Carolina. Now, Carolina was in action last night. What did Carolina do in their game? Carolina was in play, was at home playing against the Vancouver Canucks. They lost the game three to two. So the Flyers gained two standings points on Carolina when Carolina had a game and lost. Uh, Pittsburgh was in action last night. They actually got a three nothing win over the Winnipeg Jets. The Jets will be arriving in Philadelphia on Thursday in ill humor, getting shut out uh, by Pittsburgh. But Pittsburgh. With the win, picks up the two points. They go to 53 points. They are now five points back of the Flyers, but do have four games in hand. That's almost absurd. Uh, so Pittsburgh grabs a couple of points. Washington 
uh, had a game. They actually uh, lost at home 5-2 to two against the Montreal Canadiens. So Washington in the seventh spot in the division, 51 points, have lost five straight. Uh, they lose to the Habitant, and the Flyers gain the two points. So really big night. Devils were up 3-0 in their game. At time of recording here, it's 3-3 with two and a half minutes to go in the third period against Colorado. Uh, we'll see the Devils coming up a week from Saturday in the stadium series game. But I got news for people. You go, wait a minute, Jason, you haven't read scoreboard updates all season long. Why are you reading them now? Well, now it's time to pay attention. It's time to pay attention to the scoreboard. The scoreboard matters now what other teams are doing. Is, is it a three-point game with the teams that you're jockeying for position for uh, along with for the playoff race? All those things are going to be part of it now. It's time to scoreboard watch. That's for sure. I totally think that even when the game, when the Flyers aren't playing, like tomorrow, like tonight, you look at the scoreboard. Who's playing? Who in the division? Who in the conference? That's It's that time of year. That's part of what a playoff push is all about, especially when it's as tight as this one is. But good win for the Flyers. Really good win. Come back home. Got to find a way to be better at home. Have to find a way to be a more effective team on your home ice. Flyers, one of the best teams in the NHL on the road this season, 15-7-4. At home, game under hockey 500, 11-12-2, which basically tells me they're basically 11-14. and 14. They've won 11 games. They've lost 14. That got, got to be better at home. And this homestand, Winnipeg, Seattle, Arizona. So good opportunity for the Flyers. Winnipeg, good team. But you just beat a good team. You beat Winnipeg on the road earlier this season. Got to find a way to get these wins at home against these top teams as well. Um, one last thing I want to get to in this episode. I saw this tweet yesterday from Mike Kelly, uh, who works over at the NHL Network. He's a hockey analyst, or their director of analytics and insights. And he put out this tweet with a graphic, and it says, offense off the rush in the NHL for the 2023 and 24 season. Um, the team with the most goals off the rush in the NHL this season is the Vancouver Canucks. They're tied with the Dallas Stars. Each of those teams have 49 goals off the rush this season. The only difference is, is the Stars have the eighth most rush chances and the top amount of goals. The Canucks actually have the 32nd ranked, the 32nd ranked team in chances off the rush, but they're tied for first in goals off the rush. That's an astounding stat. The Flyers, where do they fit into this? The Flyers are actually the t- number one team in the NHL with chances off the rush. That is amazing to me. And they are our, the fourth highest team in goals off the rush. The two Canucks and Stars are 1 and 1A. One so they're the top two. The Golden Knights are third in goals off the rush. The Flyers are fourth. And again, Flyers have the most chances off the rush. And that's amazing because I, I don't know what the numbers were last season. And I'll see if I can dig them up. But I can. I would pretty much guarantee it. I'll bet a month of my paycheck that the Flyers were in the bottom five in chances off the rush last year. They, it just seemed like they never had chances off the rush. And it really is incredible that you can be a team 
that didn't eat off the rush last year at all and then come in and lead the NHL in rush chances with the same coaching staff. There's some personnel change, and there were some players here last year that aren't here this year that played slower, like Kevin Hayes or James Van Riemsdyk or Ivan Provorov. Provorov loved to regroup, for example. But this team creates turnovers or changes up possession and goes right on the attack and transition and off the rush. And that has been such a massive change philosophically from John Tortorella. Last year was about, this is a progression. Last year, John Tortorella beat the D-zone structure into the player's head. How to defend from your crease out. How to play without the puck defensively. And then this year, okay, we have that foundation of our game in our own zone. How can we then, if we do these things properly, how can we maximize the effect of doing them well? And the answer is that when we create the turnover or kill a play, let's go right the other way and get on them and stress the opponent. And it's worked great. I think it's one of the biggest differences year to year that I've ever seen from a a coaching staff that returns in my memory. I don't ever remember seeing a team that basically never got out on the rush last year and then now leads the NHL off the rush in a league that plays off the rush quite a bit now. It's not the old days. Teams love to stretch the ice and play off the rush. That's a great thing. And that's a big reason why the Flyers are where they are. All right, coming up tomorrow, we're going to preview Flyers-Winnipeg. And uh, we'll get after it then as the Flyers will open up a three-game homestand, Winnipeg, Seattle, and Arizona. So join us coming up tomorrow for a brand new episode of Flyers Daily.